Kia ora everybody, welcome to Do Do Talk Podcast. Bex, how are we? I'm good, how are you? I'm fantastic. Um, nothing to report. Right, well what's on the show today, Mike? Um, we're actually just going to have a little bit of a chat about this crazy, crazy story that's happened to us recently. Uh, we've told people about this and nobody seems to believe us, but it's like, it's mental. So... Um, Bex and I are going to take you on a journey. You'll love it. But first, some headlines. So if you think the government is trying to control your life, just wait for what Meta has in store. Facebook is now going to be known as Meta Platforms Inc., or Meta for short. It sees itself as a Metaverse-first company, building immersive social platforms in a virtual reality where there is a digital version of you. Have you heard about this, Mike? Yeah, I have. Thoughts? Well, they're, they're basically, I mean, facelift is right. So, like, Facebook gets a facelift. I think they've had a lot of really negative press over the past few, well, years, really. Nobody likes Facebook. Uh, so they're just like, stuff it, let's just start again almost. So, whatever. For me, one of the funniest things is some of the Hebrew speakers up in arms because apparently the word meta sounds like the Hebrew word for dead. And I actually think that's quite fitting. I read that meta was originally a Greek word. Yeah, well, I guess there's some crossover between Greek and Hebrew. Well, Hebrew speakers are saying that it means dead. And look, for me, privacy and autonomy are officially dead, (laughs) if you ask me. So quite relevant. Yeah. uh, These guys, it's it's sort of, what do they call that? Blue sky thinking. Yeah. Um, What's his face? Zuckerberg holds Zucks. He's like... I don't know, wants to move everything online and uh, I don't know, Yeah, I guess like what stood out for me is in the context of COVID-19 and people worrying about the government putting restrictions on us and trying to control us. If you're a Facebook user or in fact a social media user at all, there is so much of your life that is seen and actually controlled in a way, like the algorithms, what comes up in your search feeds, that's not a coincidence. Yeah, do you know anybody that actually thinks that there's microchips in the in the vaccine, by the way? I do, actually. Seriously? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. I have I have had conversations with people who think that. Do they also believe that, um, that like, they also use Facebook and stuff? Well, that's the thing. It's like, if you have a phone, even just a phone, yeah. like, we were having a conversation as a flat, eh, a couple of weeks ago, about how spooky is it sometimes we're having a conversation, and then... When we, like, as come up as ads and stuff like that, it'll be things that we've been talking about. And it feels like something is listening to us. Yeah, I mean, so, like, it's all good to get a chip put in your arm, I guess. Yeah. But that's fine, right? Yeah. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, Bex, have you heard of Dogecoin? Dogecoin? I can't say I have. No, okay, well, have you heard of Shiba Inu? I've heard Shiba of Shiba. Yeah, I have Sh- heard of Shiba. Sh- Shiba, Shiba Inu. Yeah, so that's a... Japanese dog. Um, well, these are these are cryptocurrencies, and Shiba Inu is taking the crypto world by storm. It's been making massive gains in recent days. Why should we care, Bex? Why should we care? Why are we talking about this? Well, we shouldn't care. It's all bullshit. It's all crap. Basically, people are gambling on these coins, gaining value and, and making profits. Earlier this year, there was a massive amount of growth in this dogecoin where basically people became millionaires over well not overnight but like very quickly and the same thing's happening again and i think i guess the reason why i'm talking about this now is because it's just a big 
not Ponzi scheme. It's like the greater fool. Like everybody's like throwing all this money into it, hoping that it's going to pump the price. And it is pumping the price, but someone's going to get left out mm. later on, right? The market cap, the total value of Shiba Inu is now worth more than $35 billion, which is now worth more than companies like Hewlett Packard, Nokia, Delta Airlines, and Robinhood. Um, it's insane. Wow. It's a lot of money. Like people just like throwing all this cash into this bullshit. Um, but Bex, have you heard of cum rockets? Cummies. Yeah, cummies. Yeah. How much is a cummy worth? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so like as part of the suite, like there's, there's sort of more affectionately called shit coins. These are like cryptocurrencies that don't really have any value apart from people just pumping them or whatever. Um, I was looking on the internet for some random shit coins and I found some called cum rockets and <laughs> the ticker name is a cummy. So <laughs> I own like 6 million cummies. Um, but there is, apparently they've got a use case for this, but they want like, um, what do you call it? Like adults, adult performers to be able to use this currency. So for example, if I'm on whatever website and uh, you want to like buy some stuff of some whatever you can use a cummy that's, yeah that's like 12 cummies please wow <laughs> it's so stupid <laughs> oh my god yeah if you're looking to invest somewhere this is probably the place to put it like well yeah i was gonna ask like do you think it's worth me investing into bitcoin at the moment look i just this is not a financial disclaimer we're not financial experts i mean like you could this is what people do like they they go on the internet find some random thing that they think is going to be like pumped up in price and just go from there and i mean i personally know of a few people that have done pretty well of out of putting some money into this garbage but you know if you if you don't care about losing some cash and want to splash it around go hard okay well from cummies to bananas um (laughs) i actually just read this story today on reddit and i just couldn't believe it um so apparently 11 syrians were arrested and seven are going to be deported from Turkey on charges of provocatively eating bananas in social media posts. Oh, so where it all started is basically there was a video of a Turkish citizen where he was complaining about Syrian refugees being able to afford kilos of bananas. Well, apparently he couldn't afford the sought-after fruit himself. So some Syrian refugees responded with humorous videos of themselves and the bananas, and it's resulted in them being charged with inciting hatred and hostility. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Let's just let's just hold hold up. How do you go from provocatively? And we're going to imagine what they're up yeah, to. Yeah, you can use your imagination. <laughs> how does it? How does that go to inciting hatred? Clearly, this is a political sort of thing, right? So the the is it prime minister or president? President Erdogan of of, of Turkey's like, hey. You guys are basically inciting whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they just kick them out because of that. Yeah, I think... Well, what it sounds like to me is they're wanting to just send a strong message. Like, if you're going to live in this country, you need to abide by all the rules and this and that and not upset locals, I guess. Yeah. But this is crazy. This is so extreme. Yeah, but he's done some crazy stuff in the past, though. Um, I'm not that surprised. I mean, he's sort of pretty... I mean, he's pretty authoritarian, particularly mm. with regards to the media and stuff like that. I guess the question, I'm not sure if you know the answer to this, Bex, is how the Turkish people are receiving the Syrians. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I know that Turkey has done a lot. They yeah. have taken a lot of Syrian refugees. Um, 
how well they've been received by the community. I'm not sure, but posts like this on social media by, you know, Turkish citizens does show us something, that there is some hostility or at least um, there is some kind of narrative, which we have in New Zealand, by the way, that refugees come here and they take our resources and as locals we get left behind. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, let's hope that they don't actually get sent back to Syria because they well, ate a... Apparently seven are being deported back to Syria. It's, it's wild. Mad. Yeah, it's madness. Um, let's move on. So that's the headlines. Bex, uh, we've had a very interesting few days. Um, the story we're about to tell you guys, the listeners, it's all true. We're not making it up. Um, but it does sort of like, sort of highlight some really big issues that we have here in New Zealand and actually globally as well. I mean, I think in the West, there's a lot of issues that some people can sort of sympathize, empathize with. Um, but let's 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 start, Bex, by you just sort of describing what's what's been going on. Yeah, it's been a bit of a wild week. Um, if you guys don't know already, Mike and I flat together with a few other flatties. Um, and I had a really interesting phone call with our landlord last week. So basically, our landlord said to us that he wanted us to keep one of our rooms spare so that his 13-year-old daughter can move in with us next year. I mean, <laughs> so you're on the phone. Mm. He asks you, uh, he asks you, because this is a four-bedroom place that we live in, right? And he said, you've got somebody living in the room. And he said, oh, you need to actually keep that room spare. Because my daughter's going to be moving into that room at the start of the school year next year, right? Right. And and so the funny thing is, if I re- rewind, at first he just goes, look, I need that room spare because my daughter will be moving in there in Feb. And it was then that I said, how old is your daughter? And he said, 13 years old. And, and the reason for this, Mike, is that his 13-year-old daughter is, um, they're wanting her to attend a school that they're currently not zoned for where they live but this house that the landlord owns is zoned for it. So they want the 13-year-old to live with us, an adult flat, who are mostly in our 30s, five days a week, Monday to Friday, so that she can attend this public zone school. Yeah. And when you said, and when you said oh, uh, like, that's, like, really inappropriate, he said, um, oh, wait, maybe, maybe the mother can move in as well? So my jaw dropped, Mike. I I was just calling up to talk about bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said to him, look, this is this isn't appropriate. I don't feel comfortable having a thirteen year old in this house in an adult flat. She'll be sharing a bathroom with one of our other flatmates who's a thirty year old male. Yeah. Um and then he said, Yeah, well, okay. Well, my wife can move in with, with her too. And they can both be in the room from Monday to Friday. <laughs> But I mean, one of the things that like doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, imagine being on this phone call and then, because we pay for the whole house, obviously. We don't pay for three quarters of the house. <laughs> no, right? We don't pay, like we pay for the whole lot. I mean, we, we signed, we recently signed uh, the, the the lease agreement with this, with the agency and with this landlord. And it was like, okay, cool. The standard lease agreement, $950 a week. That's what we pay for the whole house. And there was no mention of any of this. And anyway, he comes along and he's like, well, actually, um, my daughter's going to move into that room. And it's just like, what What the, how does that work, ma'am? Yeah, I mean, there are so many concerns and issues here. Like, firstly, the fact that a parent will let a 13-year-old move in with strangers. 
he's only met me once. He hasn't really met you guys properly. I never met him, no. No, and so that in itself is a huge concern. What parent would do that? They care so much about their child going to a nice school, but they don't care about who she's going to be living with. They just shit them off. Yeah, them off. yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as she gets a good education. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. Secondly, like what you're alluding to, we pay for the whole house. Yeah. Like we don't pay for three rooms. We pay for four rooms. Um, but I think what it also highlighted to us is like, A, it's um, pretty shitty being a renter because landlords um, sometimes don't really see us as human, as people who have responsibilities, as people who want stability. You know, there's no understanding of how stressful it is to have to move around all the time. Um, but it also highlights the the education system as well. The fact that um, there are certain schools that are seen to be of a higher quality or caliber, and you have to live in certain areas to be able to get that kind of education. Just to just to be more specific on that with this particular case, the landlord lives about ten minutes drive from here, yeah. like really close. Yeah, I I routinely go for walks around the neighborhood, and I and I walk past down near where they live. It's down the road. They're like willing to. Up, you know, like uproot the child who is starting high school and then moving them down the road to where we live. Um, 10 minutes drive from here. So, this is this is insane. But I would actually, can we come back a little bit? So, when you said, Oh, look, this is inappropriate, they what happened after that? He actually just laughed. He did not understand where I was coming from. He didn't understand how inappropriate it would be for his 13-year-old to live with a, with a bunch of adult strangers. Um, and when I asked him, like, what's going to happen from here, he just kept saying, well, okay, we'll get back to you in Feb. What does that mean? No certainty, no security for us as tenants whatsoever. And his whole thing is that he wants his daughter to attend the school but he's scared that they're going to get caught. Because I guess this is an act of fraud. Yeah, it is, yeah, not, totally. Not living in the zone, yeah. but, but pretending that you do. And what yeah. they do, by the way, is they have their names on the bills to this address to kind of you know show that they're living in this area, but they're not. Yeah. Um, so what happened... So we also had up the agent. So we actually... The previous... Ugh, okay, it gets worse. <laughs> this gets, ugh, gets... It gets worse. It gets crazy. Okay, so basically... This guy wants his kid to move in here. We wouldn't know. We didn't know anything about it. And then he said, "Like, look, well, she's going to be moving in there. Either she ba- basically either she moves in with her mother, or you guys move out." Yeah. And we're like, "Okay, well, that's insane." Um, so anyway, we call the agent, and the agent talks to the landlord. And the next day, we get an email from the from the agent saying that our previous flatmate who was here, whose name the house was under the contract was with apparently had a conversation with the landlord that uh she would be moving in here so apparently the landlord had spoken to the ex-flatmate that there was an agreement that should be moving in here and the agent was like yeah and that's kind of how it is now and we were like hang on a sec buddy do you really think that what four flatmates Four 30-year-olds, 30-ish-year-olds, are going to be comfortable with a child moving into their house. And they, by the way, at this point, they never even like offered like a reduction in rent. So that's another crazy thing as well. Not that that would matter because I wouldn't want to live with a 13-year-old anyway. But like, 
and it was like oh yeah well they had they had a conversation with the ex flatmate therefore everything's all good it's like no dude it was all lies and it's all it's all it's all bullshit yeah i mean we hit up that former flatmate and they just said absolutely not no conversation was had um this flatmate said yes the landlord is a little bit crazy but they did not say that they wanted their 13 year old daughter to move into the fourth bedroom next year yeah i mean that's just insane and the funny thing is I actually posted it on Reddit, mm. and I had over 130 comments on this post. But you know what's funny? Is people didn't believe me. They thought that I was just posting something to get upvotes. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a, <laughs> a, a half-truth a half story yeah, to yeah. Like get up, to just like farm some karma or yeah, something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, farm my karma. But I, I, hopped on the, I hopped on there, and I was like, no, 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 I live with, I live yeah. with this. I live with it. It's 100% true. Yeah. So what were some of the comments that were said in the, on the Reddit? Okay, so those who actually believed us... Okay, so a few people said straight up, you need to report this dude to Oranga Tamariki <laughs> because it's a, it's a you know, care and protection concern that these parents are okay with their 13-year-old living with strangers. Can we just, like, can we can we just hop in there a little bit? Like, okay, so when this first happened, I was like, oh, you can't go to Oranga Tamariki, and you're like, well, actually, not that you said that you would. If but it you was said, to eventuate. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, okay, you've done some work yes. with... This? Like, yeah. Let's. Can we just just hang on this for a second? What would actually ha- if you went to Oranga Tamariki and said, "Hey, uh, this is a situation." How do you think they'd respond to this thing that we've just so this thing that we're discussing at the moment? Well, say this was actually going to happen. I mean, we we're, we're fairly normal people, so we're like, no. But mm. there were a few people on Reddit who said, oh, well, if they're going to reduce the rent. So let's say we're those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's say that this eventuated. Um, <laughs> basically, we'd make a report of concern, right, saying a 13-year-old living is living with adult strangers from mm. Monday to Friday. And Oranga Tamariki, like, they would have to go and interview the parents and interview the child at school. They, and they, that, and they that, would do it. They're compelled to. If, if the contact social worker believed that it was a, a care and protection concern then they would interview the child at school. Do you think the case worker would see it as a concern? Absolutely. So basically, we... Oh my God. Absolutely. Uh, under what grounds? Because Sending a 13-year-old to go and live with some random in an, people. In an adult flat. They're vulnerable. Yeah, hugely vulnerable. In, a, in an adult flat of strangers with no... I mean, a 13-year-old isn't even allowed to be at home by themselves yep. without a guardian. Correct. This is worse than that. Yeah, well, I mean, what if we're all, like, working late? You know, like... Bex, you got to get home. Like, the flatty needs to be someone to, like, look after. Make her dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, that's... Yeah. So, to be honest, like, I do actually think it would be taken seriously. Okay, so what else are some, what, what else are some of the, uh, the, the comments on Reddit? Um, so other the com- other comments were that we should go to the media and yeah. report him. Well, we are, aren't we? Well, this is our media <laughs> platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was another really interesting comment that was made by someone on the post on Reddit. And they said that this kind of happened to them. But on the flip side, they, oh, they own a home. They're a 25-year-old couple. And they're looking for a flatmate. And someone applied to them but saying, can my child move in with you? because we want them to be zoned for the school. And can you look after them, um, do their washing, make their lunch, and basically treat them as your child between Monday and Friday so they can go to the school? How? How is that? 
thing. I, I just like, I, of course I knew about like inequities in our education system, but I, I didn't know that parents went to these extreme lengths to get their children into these schools. That's just not the world I come from. No, totally. I, I was speaking to a mate about this so this morning, actually, and, and she grew up down south a little bit, and she's a youth worker. And one of the things she said straight up was like, where I grew up, you just went to the local school. Like, you just go to the school that's closest to you. You don't screw around with, like, zones and stuff. And where I grew up as well, like, we... There was a school down the road. You go to that school. You don't try and do weird stuff with the system and ship your kids off to like some random house. Yeah, it was the same for me. But I think what's become apparent is that there are certain schools that we know offer a higher quality education and offer opportunities to children. And the fact that we have that in New Zealand, I think is really unfair. The fact that you can be born into a suburb, which means that you're going to have a better education and therefore... Um, more opportunities in your life and have access and exposure to different things than someone that's born in a different suburb. It's not fair. When you were doing some social work around, um, like, kind of, I don't know what in what capacity you're working with Oranga Tamariki or whatever, like, you would have had a look into, like, some of the educational, I don't know, components of a child's welfare and stuff like this like how important is it i mean like obviously there's a lot of people that will go to great lengths to change their kids to school and stuff but like how important is that like changing schools and stuff if that makes any sense yeah look i think what's important is that children have the opportunity to go to school full stop and i mean we here you know we're complaining about what's going on with our tenancy and that kind of thing but we have to remember that we have people in this country who are renting and they are completely um, under the control and power of a landlord who can kick them out at any minute. And that happens, and that has happened to a lot of the families that I used to work with. And so what you would have are families living in cars and therefore children missing school altogether. Mm. So when we're talking about education and we're talking about what school is better than others, sure, that's an issue in New Zealand, but it's even a greater issue that housing and lack of housing is impacting on children actually going to school or not. Well, let's, let's, I mean, amazingly, that ties really well with what we're talking about, right? So how, how, how does it work? You know, let's talk about, like, the renting environment for people in this country. Like, where does it fall short? Where is it? Where do we need to make sort of, like, gains? What should we be doing? Because, like, people in our situation, we're lucky, I guess, in a sense that we can actually relatively easily, we, we don't have kids, you know, um, we could, we are not so, I mean, we could find another place fairly easily. I do have a cat. I actually, well, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big he thing. Is a, it is actually a big thing. Yeah, it's a huge thing. So <laughs> like, like renting with pets yeah. is bloody hard. So if we're, if we're in a relatively good situation, mm. how is it for other people and how can we make it better? Because yeah. you've thought about this quite a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, um, we all have, if you're a renter in this country, of course you you've Yeah, I think we all, particularly our generation, like, this is an issue that we have to deal with in our own lives. Um, but it's something that I dealt with as a social worker, like I was saying before, working as a, as a homelessness social worker um, in the South Auckland community where there are 100,000 people who have housing insecurity. That's like, there's 1.5 million people in this city. Yeah. 
a hundred thousand. Yeah, and that figure of a hundred thousand who face housing insecurity includes those who are living in cars, in tents, in boarding houses, in lodges, and couch surfing. That's appalling. Yeah. One out of every fifteen people mm. is living. That's insane. And that's in South Auckland alone, because that's where the majority of housing insecurity is. So I guess across all of Auckland, there'd be huge amounts of housing insecurity. Absolutely, absolutely. So. What I've seen is that being a renter in New Zealand, and, and these were actually some of the comments that were made on, on Reddit. There are a few comments from those who have become homeowners, and they said something like, I still feel really guilty that I own a home because I know how shit it is being a renter in this yeah. country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for these people that I was working with, for them, um, man, their, their renting situation would affect everything else in their life. Amos, we were Amos. talking about you. So you can imagine a family having to leave their rental and ending up in a car and the impact that has on their children. But not only that, I worked with a lot of families where their children would end up with rheumatic fever and end up in hospital because of the condition of the house. How do we, how do we, how do we change this? What do we do? do we, we obviously strengthen renters' rights. And the government's made a small amount of changes, but really they haven't much at all. So, for example, they have given an extra two weeks, like, notice time if their family wants to move into the house where they're going to be living in. So, for example, in our situation, we only we, we got 62 days notice before we had to move out, whereas previously it was 48 days notice. So that's, what, a little bit of a change. Mm. And also now the landlords have to give... Uh, some excuse to kick you out. They can't mm. just kick you out, but that's really easy. You could just like, you know, fib your way through that as well. Yeah, I think one of the other great things that the Green Party's pushed through is the healthy homes and ensuring that landlords are making their homes a livable environment so that people aren't getting sick. Yeah, but security, I think, I mean, that's a really good thing. And they, I mean, there should be, you know... Insulation, insulation heating, etc. Yeah. Um, but like, I almost feel like it's just, as a renter, there's not much you can do. It's not your house. It like at the end of the day, it's 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 another person's property. Like literally, like you are renting it. Um, and so as a result, we just don't have those same um sort of renters' rights as there are around the world. So interestingly, Tomochan and I were living in 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 Japan. We were uh, renting a place a little apartment in um, Sapporo in, in northern Japan. And, like, people, if you move into a place as a renter, they don't expect you ever to leave. They, they could be like, yeah, you kind of, you could expect to live there for your entire life. Wow. There's no... Wow. There's, like, this insecurity just doesn't exist. What, what are the factors that contribute to that? Is that because we have such a lack of supply yep. and too much demand? Yep. Whereas in Japan, would you say there's more of a supply? Yeah. So there's like there are so many different parts to this, and I think so the renting element is actually a symptom of a much wider issue, which is just the housing crisis in general in New Zealand, where we just don't have the supply and we have a lot of demand, and the the, the cost of housing is really high. So you have all of these contributing factors, which just means that more people are renting. But in Japan, you still quite a lot of people rent and stuff, but there's such a good amount of supply. That if you want to find something, you can find like renting is cheap. We paid a hundred dollars, literally a hundred dollars a week for our apartment. Um, wasn't that great, but da, 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 da. and it's just the whole dynamics different. So it, if more people owned houses, it wouldn't be an issue. 
actually. And not, right. ev- not everybody can afford to own houses, mm. but they should be able to at some yeah. point. Yeah, so... Yeah, for me, I see like two solutions. One is building more homes and having higher home ownership. But another is having um, certain rentals where there's tenancy security. So where you know that you're signing up to like a five-year. Or a 10-year. Or 10-year tenancy period. Um, For me, like not to throw myself a little pity party, but when I think of myself as potentially being able to have a child, which is something that I would love to do one day, something that stops me is the thought that I don't want to have a child in this world where I'm renting and I might have to move them which would result in them moving schools etc cetera, etc cetera, and just having that instability as a as a parent and and if I'm going to be a single parent um I just wouldn't want that stress for myself and my child yet so housing should not be a reason for me not to have a child now this is this is such a huge issue like around the world, I've actually, I've, this is a really big sort of thing. So you have like millennials and, and to a lesser extent, um, Gen Z, Gen Z or whatever, making these decisions, pushing them further down the road because of this insecurity, financial and sort of housing. And so you, ha- I mean, like I, I'm in the same boat, like, you know, thinking about having a family and stuff. It's like, why would you, you you're playing with fire a little bit. Imagine if like, for example, you were the you were a family. I mean, we took four, but like a family who was renting this house, and you get booted, and then you got to move down the road, and then your kids got to like travel an extra whatever to the. To, it's just it's a nightmare, and I think you know this is these are real real effects that are affecting young people, and it's yeah, it's got to change. I mean, we always come back to house prices and that sort of stuff, but I mean, which is essentially <laughs> you know, yeah, it's the root of all evil in this world, you know. Um, but it's got to change. It, it does. And like we were saying before, it's not just housing. It's the fact that housing impacts on so many other things, on education, on well-being, on community, on being able to have a child. Mm. And it shouldn't. It shouldn't hold that much power. Housing should be seen as a right. It should not be seen as a privilege. Yeah, I, I would actually really like the idea of like um, five-year tenancy terms yeah. or even 10-year tenancy mm. terms. If, if there are, I mean, a lot of landlords out there um, you know, want long-term sort of investment and stuff. I don't see that. I don't. I really don't see that as being an issue. I think it'd be really good. In fact, I mean, there might not be like not every landlord would want to do that, but a lot of people would. Like they know that this person's going to be around for a while, and if there's trouble, they can get rid of them. But you know, like what you want is security around your living situation. Yeah, that's what you want, and it's something we've talked about, Mike, a couple of times before, is around the idea of what can we do in the meantime. Um, until we have some of these more uh, progressive policies, we have security. Something we've talked about is um, co-ownership. The idea, and this could be a solution for now, the idea of going in with mates or family members and being able to buy a home so that we have that security collectively. There is something interesting about that with regards to like families and stuff. I don't know how that'll shake it out, shake out sort of in in the future, but you know, like it, in in the future, I, I don't know, people might get more comfortable with like sort of more what might be seen as like currently unusual living mm. situations mm. where you might have a couple of families sort of like you know have a three or four bedroom house and they split it or something like that or or whatever, just because as it stands, there's just no way for like a lot of people to afford to buy their own house, so. We'll see. I think people will start coming up with some interesting sort of alternative ways of getting around this Yeah. Um, in the future. Yeah, I think we have to think outside the box, particularly if you're in some of the bigger cities like Auckland, Wellington, 
it's really, really difficult to just afford an average house, mm. even as a couple, mm. let alone as a single person. So, Bex, what happened to, to tire this whole thing off? What happened with uh, the, 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 our, our friend? So after a few um, quote-unquote friendly emails between myself and the landlord and also a few friendly phone conversations with the agent, who also thought the, the landlord's batshit crazy, by the way. Um, okay, this is funny. The agent ended up talking to the landlord's wife. The agent yeah. said to me, look, Bex, I had an idea. I thought... Let's talk to the wife about this and see what's going on. That's actually what she said. She's like, I thought, let's talk to the wife. So she talked to the wife and the wife said, look, we don't actually want to move the daughter back into this house. We don't want to move to this house at all. It's just that we're worried about getting caught with being in the school. So what we're going to do is we'll sign you up to a six-month fixed contract. And if the school doesn't catch them out by next May, then we can stay. But if they're worried that the school's going to catch them out, then as a family, they're going to have to move back. That's insane. It's eh? so insane. But yeah, do you know yeah. what's funny as well? In my initial um, phone call with the, the landlord, I asked him, like, hey, dude, why don't you just move back here yourself as a family? And he goes, you know what, Bex? Rimiweta just doesn't do it for me. Oh, my God. He's so <laughs> flippant about it. It's like, oh, whatever. You know, like a totally up. And it didn't. He... Oh, he also offered to do like a house swap, eh? Oh, God, he did. Yeah. He did. He said, hey, Bex, have you heard of Cornwall Park before? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I have, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, crazy times. And I know you have a bit of a funny landlord story, too, yourself. Yeah, well, previous to this one, I I, I had a pretty funny landlord story. When I was uh, about 19 years old, I was living in Nelson, and um, my friends and I were renting out a big, big, big house. It was... It was like five bedroom and a granny flat down below. It was, a, it was a big, big bad boy. And it sort of backed onto a hill. Anyway, one day I'm sort of in my room, just sort of pottering around or whatever. This is like on a, on a Monday afternoon. And at the back, there's this hill that kind of goes up. So if you kind of walk up the hill, you can kind of look across and see exactly. You can kind of make eye contact with somebody directly across from you, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm sort of doing my thing. And I look out and there's like three people, a man a woman and a baby all having a picnic on the backyard. And I was like, what the, what is going on here? So I kind of look out there and I was like, no, 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 that can't be. It was the landlord. Wait, so the landlord was having a picnic in your backyard? Yeah. Like unannounced, locked up and had a picnic. And I was like, I was just like doing stuff in my room. And I was like, I think I like hid from them. I was like, (laughs) I don't want, I don't want to see these guys. And I, I got my phone out and I called the agent. I was like, um... Can you explain to me why the landlord is having a picnic in the backyard? They were actually German and they didn't understand the laws. <laughs> oh no. So the the agent's like she got pretty riled up. She's like, "Look, I'm really sorry about that. Let me call them." She called the she called like, "You can't be there. You can't just go into your it's not your house." I mean it is, but it's not, you know. Like you, they, they have certain like rights around that. Anyway, they bug it off. So um but this this story is way more it's way more crazy. Yeah. And if you want to read some more stories of crazy landlords, jump on Reddit, find Dirty Dirty Talk podcast, and um, you'll the find us- the username, the username right? and you'll find the post that we posted. I think it was in the Auckland, the Auckland sub. Oh, yeah. Was it, was it not New was Zealand? New Zealand. I can't remember. The New Zealand or Auckland yeah. subreddit. Um, jump on and you can read scores of similar stories, crazy stories. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And we'll, so we want to hear your stories as well. Yeah, please um, email us. 
Send us a message on the gram. We'd love to know what stories you have about renting, about schooling, what lengths you've gone to to get your kid into a zone school. I don't know if they actually come off better. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I might look into that a little bit in the future, I think. It'd be quite interesting to check out. But other than that, like, um, thanks, Bex. Great story. Yeah. Um, Good yarns. Next week, we've got a pretty cool guest. It's, it's a secret, <laughs> but that'll be great. Just uh, make sure you subscribe and, 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 and our podcast will come through your feed. I feel like one of those douchebags. Like, I know. Yeah. Anyway, thanks it. for listening. All right, bye-bye. Kia ora. Bye.